Hi there, this is Jason with a quick note before we start today's episode. Akira is an animated film about the tumultuous relationship between youth culture and the shared trauma of the past. It features a lot of highly stylized violence and one scene of attempted sexual assault. If you or anyone you know would like to know more about support and advocacy for survivors of sexual violence, please visit RAIN.org, that's R-A-I-N-N dot org, or call the hotline at 1-800-656-4673. Again, that's 1-800-656-4673 or RAIN.org. Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm, 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 mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Recording right it's now. a perfect viewing We've experience. We've been recording for like five episodes. We have. Oh, no. Five, I think in every uh, single episode that I've ever recorded, Aaron asks, are we recording right now? Because I don't want to reveal my social security number day. like you did. That's not weird. <laughs> I don't want to reveal my personal information, the my mother's the maiden time. name, the I street I grew up it's on, that day, my first pet, <laughs> mm-hmm. sure. uh, city I was born in. These are all things that I do not want to reveal. Along with my bank passcodes. Why would passcodes. you not want to reveal the city you were born in? Because that's a security question. Is it? it seems like, yes. Interesting. Pick a better security question. I yeah. don't pick that one. Yeah, that's easily I, the, it's always the worst one security question. I have the same answer to every security question that I have ever been asked. What is hey, that Hey, that's answer? not how security not questions answer, are supposed to fucking work. But dude. every single question. It's the only way that I can remember these things because I'm not going to tell a computer it's the truth. Your, your fucking <laughs> office administrator is just like listening to this like a month <laughs> later. And just like, just like, just eyes just like bulging out like fucking uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog style. Yeah. <laughs> this is my chance to get some sweet deeds about Jason's life. Password security. Man, I wish I had brought my I never book. thought that someone would game security questions just by doing one thing for all of well, them. Well, there are it's some. name. There are some that require you to, like, you can't have Dude, the same answer for multiple questions. Yes, so I just, idea. like, delete one letter from each successive answer. And it Jace, so, Jace, ja, 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 ja. <laughs> then just blank. Very good. I did, uh, I, well, I do gotta say that, I don't, again, I don't know if this is gonna go in the episode, but uh, I was signing into something to, like, it was, like, a loan I had or something where I had to, like, register it online separately mm-hmm. from, so I could, like, view the information for it. And the security questions were, like, the hardest security questions, like there were like a list of like ten, and I was like, I maybe know two. Does of these. glaucoma run in your father's family back three generations? It's yeah, it was just ridiculous shit. Like name of your first childhood friend, and it's like, I don't. My really like <laughs> I have a that? friend that I remember well from childhood, but I don't know if I would assume it's that person if I have to answer this in a year. Five, yeah, exactly. Man, exactly. I remember my first friend. I mean, you know, shout out to Hunter. If you're, if you're fuck listening. Hunter. So you still friends with Hunter? Oh, uh, he was a kindergarten only friend. How oh, dare yeah, you insult Hunter. Hunter? Hunter sucks. You don't know what Hunter got up to? No, he like that. changed schools. And I don't know how he's changed, but he was a perfectly he fine fellow. Loved Hunter. Really, really loved you, so and no one ever saw him. About. <laughs> I should have let you finish Let's that. Go. Sorry, I, I couldn't help it. Uh, I mean, we're, are we sound testing? Do we? Uh, the, well, the I mean, I leveled these things before you got here, so cool. we're good. Damn, that mic or the one that Harry's on always gives me a little bit of trouble, but you've been handling it just fine. 
It makes me uncomfortable how silent we were just then. I was fondling the mic. <laughs> the the room was filled with noise, just not audible. <sighs> wow, that's beautiful. Jason. That was that was, like that was really poetry. good. Yeah, I I'm gonna close the podcast now. <laughs> the room is filled with noise, but you can't hear it. And then like oh, there was a hole can. here. There isn't anymore. <laughs> uh, there we go. Uh, okay. Um, and then just the word Tetsuo with sixteen O's, and that's the end of the poem. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Try Love, a roundtable pod, literal roundtable podcast about the movies we saw at the Try Love Cinema. Say it literally. No, the no, first that time. was the beginning. Raw. Right, that's fine. Raw. We're doing it raw. We're doing Live, Raw 2016, baby. directed by. You remember this, Cody? What? Who did Raw? The movie? Uh, nope. It is. You a, don't remember? It's a French. You director. that movie? So. Yeah, it's a French director, female director, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is her yes. debut. Yeah, it was like her debut. I've heard film. it's good. Is it good? It's a great movie. Everybody watched the movie Raw. It's on Netflix currently. I've heard that's very good. Watch it with your family. Or I, you could. F children. Family. Your children. <laughs> All right. Let's children. see children. Start Literally anyone. Everybody again. should take in good art, right? Uh, today we're going to be talking about Akira. Various pronunciations of that name throughout. Apologies. Um, and Aaron's got a, uh, got a summary for us. Oh, we're just diving in. You're Aaron. <laughs> again, I do appreciate Oh, wait, the... wait. We haven't asked names. My name's Jason. We haven't asked names. What's I'm you guys' name? What's my... Uh, I'm Cody. Well, what's I'm, your name? I'm Harry. And I'm Aaron. And you I weren't will... asked. Oh. Please wait your turn. Please continue. Simon says, please continue. <clears throat> yeah, we're talking about Akira, uh, 1988, directed by Katsuhiro Otomo. Is that a yep. okay pronunciation? Yeah, Don't have to ask every time. side of the room here. Um, based on the manga of the same name, uh, when it was released in 1988, it was the most expensive anime film ever. Mm. Um, it's a, I think it's... It you shows. Know, easily one of the most influential animated films, for sure. Uh, arguably, yeah. films in general. Certainly in terms of anime, it is, you know, near the top. Uh, is very well regarded. Yeah, I feel like everybody's heard of this movie, even mm-hmm. if they haven't seen it. It's, it's a cool movie. Um, yeah, one that's referenced out. visually a lot. Uh, not just, you know, the the bike shot that is just the most, you know, one perfect shot thing in existence. Yeah. Um, the the scene of the city exploding. It's a famous film. It's referred very to quite a bit. Aesthetically influential. Look forward well. to the twenty twenty two remake. Uh, that's oh like no! Do you want to summarize cast. the movie for us? No. Uh, so what happens? Yeah. In this movie? So I can I can summarize it uh, briefly here. So the movie opens in nineteen eighty eight. Uh, is a large explosion destroys Tokyo. It then immediately kind of jump cuts to the future. Um, the city has been rebuilt uh, as Neo Tokyo. Uh, it's rebuilt even larger than before. Even more kind of. Um, larger, but also uh, accentuated in a lot of different ways. There's government protests happening uh, constantly, violence in the streets. It has basically ushered in cyberpunk in 30 years. That's a really good point. Yeah. I like the way that you said that, because it was like, it's it's an exaggerated version of the same problems. Mm-hmm. I think you mentioned that in your review on Letterboxd, too, Jason. Uh, I was in a fugue state when I wrote that, please. <laughs> it's a great review. You should check it out, <laughs> except for the final paragraph, which I hate a lot. I stand by uh, that part It's a terrible, vividly. terrible part of that. Review. What is it? Anyway, he just he has some like self loathing with anime. We're gonna we'll talk a little about bit. It. Oh, that's fair. Um, Who doesn't? I don't. <laughs> I like anime. I'm and I'm Harry, Harry is wearing cat ears and that's a Dragon right. Ball Z t shirt right now. I have worn a Dragon Ball Z t shirt to this. I thought you were gonna say that you before. had worn cat ears and I was going to kick you out of the room. Oh, it's possible. I don't know. Were you in a fugue state? Life is long. Harry Meowkin. Life is so long. Oh, Harry. Harry Meowkin. All right, I'm leaving. I think I have your new Twitter name. Jesus Christ. You I'm already changed and your Tinder bio. Uh, continue, please, Aaron. <laughs> 
Yeah, so the city is engulfed in violence and government protests <laughs> and political corruption. Uh, uh, Shitaro uh, Kaneda uh, is a member of a biker gang. He, the biker gang kind of fights against local competing gangs, uh, the gang that they're kind of feuding with. Uh, the gang of the week is the clowns, who uh real rough guys. You know, they bike around, they beat each other with baseball bats, a lot of violence um, going on. Uh, he has a friend, uh, Tetsuo Shima, who is injured in a uh, bike bicycle accident. They're out uh, competing with this gang, beating the shit out of each other while the protests are going on. Um, and an accident uh, that Tetsuo has uh, kind of makes him encounter... Uh, an esper, like a supernatural being, uh, resembles a child, but is, is older than that. Right, he, he collides with this esper on the road. Uh, the esper is escaping from the facility in which they're kept with the help of Ryu, who is the sort of anti-government freedom fighter. Yeah, uh, referred to as terrorists yeah. most often in the movie. Aren't yeah, they always. Um, and after that, uh, Tetsuo uh, begins to develop supernatural abilities. Um, and over the course of the film, grows from small supernatural abilities to kind of city destroying, nuclear, yeah, reality nuclear, warping, reality warping, uh, kind reality of telekinetic. Birthing, I guess. Yes, at the Near end, the end he literally according to birthed. the one scientist, and it's never really that clear. If yeah. that's yeah. You're supposed to take that. You're supposed to take that. Is this happening? Can this be happening? Is this a new universe? This and is like it... the birth of a new universe. Yeah, He's just literally. staring at like a weird screen, and it's like, all right, bud. <laughs> like, I believe you. So that's actually my fucking summary. That that is, is that is the jump off summary. That's yeah. Good. So and you, and you see these the different factions, the government, the quote unquote terrorists, the biker gang. All sort of interacting in different ways, right. uh, as as everybody's either pursuing or looking or seeking to keep secret Akira, this um, unknown power attributed to a person at the center of like all life and human potential. How did you guys feel about? I I feel like the the actual plotting, the like beat for beat, Act One, Act Two, Act Three structure of this movie is like really immaculate in a way that I didn't remember back when I first uh, watched it. But, like, the way that all of those factions sort of come together and the plot sort of, like, very naturally becomes what it is when it feels like it could have gone in so many different directions, mm -hmm. uh, maybe appropriately based on the sort of, um, like, time motif yeah. in this. But the way that that worked out was really uh, impressive to me. Um, even, like, beyond how good this movie is in so many other ways, I think just, like, from, from a purely structural perspective, it works really well. I think I kind of disagree with that. Um, okay. I, I think this movie takes a lot of uh, maybe necessary shortcuts. Um, you know, again, it was based on a manga, which ran for a number of years. It was like right? six or eight years. Actually, I read, I don't know if this is true, but I read that the actual manga was running like it wasn't through finished. the actual it production. The movie, of the movie came out before it finished. Yeah, so it didn't end until... Yeah, and so from what I've heard, um, the second half of the manga differs quite a bit from the end of the film. Mm -hmm. um, None I of us in here have read it, right? No, I haven't. Like, like, the box collection is it's like, like 150 it's, bucks. It's, it's I think ridiculous. Josh has it. You know what? Yeah, I, I just bought, beat him up I and steal it. Bought, I don't know if Canada I was, style. Yeah. I don't know if I was an idiot about this, but I went to Half Price Books one day and I found it and I was like, wow, this is the whole thing. This is great. And it, I opened it up and it read from left to right. Like they had mirrored the pages. Isn't that how manga do? No, right, 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 to, right left. to left. Oh, yeah. So like oh, so it read, yeah and I it, think it just they threw did. me off because I was reading each page as if it was like an imported from Japan manga and like it so wasn't. you read it backwards for a while I didn't buy it 
I okay. like left the thing there because I was like, this is just going to throw me off. I got yeah. so You used open to up it. the first page, you see a giant baby monster, and you're like, ah, fuck, well, <laughs> that's the end. Spoiler! <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, he also owns, uh, he doesn't He doesn't just own the box guy, he also owns the box set of uh, Sandman. So I, I really should rob that dude's house. Um, so What's up, say. Josh? Should yeah, have been on this podcast. Br- I'm going to feel bad if someone actually breaks into his house because it's like, boom, suspect number one. Yeah. I'm saying it on a recorded you. thing well, here. My main goal is your emotional detriment, so I'm just going to do that to Josh just to spite you and make you feel bad. Yeah. Well, now you're suspect number one. I'm the one who gets to this release is, or we're, not release we're muddying the waters. The cops aren't going to know which way to go. Hey, everybody want to make a pledge right now to rob <laughs> Josh's house so they don't know which one of us did it? Could have uh, been any of us. I have Could've a knife. I Oh my god, I want you really you, do have a knife. I really do. He always does. Yeah. Tapping it against the table. Uh, I want both of you, because you talked about how you think that yeah. this movie flows really well in its three-act structuring. You don't think that it does, Aaron. You want us to do like a face-off kind of thing? I would just like want a, you to talk about what, like, what exactly... Cage and, uh... <laughs> I was going to I was gonna talk, what's the Fox like debate show from like the 2000s that John Stewart went on and like, and like wrecked their shit? Um, Not the nation. It was like, we got one Republican, one Democrat, oh. head to head. You're the, the facts come out at the end. Whoever wins, you lose. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I want alien win. Yeah, dude, yes. <laughs> okay, so I just want you guys yeah. to give me examples <laughs> of, of, like, why, who wins at the end of that? Doesn't matter. We all the, lose. The predator is, like, the good, the predator is the good. Because the never... predator teams up, one of the predators teams up with, like, the female lead in that movie, I want to say, right? Spoiler tag for Alien versus Predator 2004. That's actually spoiler. fucked up. What? I don't think I like that. Dude. I think it's, like, a friendly predator. There yeah. should be no such thing as a friendly predator. But like the, the thing, the thing about the friendly the predator, yeah, the it's thing true. about the friendly predator is that the predator hunts for sport, whereas the alien is like amoral. Like it's just trying to hunt and eat and survive, right? That's so like, somehow even scarier. Right. I mean, it yeah, is, that's, yeah. and that's why the predator bonds with an American. I think nice. it's not. Got pred- I think it's a race of predators, and this is like a cool one. It's been a while. I mean, you <laughs> can look up the like a chill predator. <laughs> This is like a predator. Like he just like a lot smokes of weed. weed. He's got like a Bob Marley poster. He's like shit. <laughs> How do we both go? To he smokes? once bought a Rastafarian just a chill, wig. Cool it just a predator who smokes weed and plays Xbox. Yeah, <laughs> he's well, fine. I'm more of a PlayStation guy, so I don't okay. know. Yeah. Console wars. Uh, uh, yeah, no. So yeah, I, I, I want you give me examples of what you mean by that. Like, what are yeah. you thinking of when you say, "I think that the flow of this movie really works really well," and like the tentpole moments that you're thinking of that either worked, like they, like Harry said they did, or didn't, like Aaron said. Sure. Like, because this is not a thing um, that I had. In mind. I don't know. For for me, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on this because there's a lot of, to talk about in this movie. Um, but sorry, I didn't mean to like. No, if go you ahead. want to talk about it a lot. We totally can. Um, I just think that the the plot emerges from a really organic place where like you it it really naturally the camera sort of naturally follows the action in a way that I found really pleasing mm-hmm. like you follow these bikers and they're just they're like very much in their ordinary world shitty as that world is and meanwhile all of these other things are happening where Ryu is is using this sort of government um tax reform protests as like a cover to spirit away these espers. Um, and meanwhile, these protests are happening. Meanwhile, the colonel and uh, the the secret um, executive branch scientists are experimenting with psychic powers. And, like, all of these things are, are happening concurrently, and you get this, this wild sense of uh, a very chaotic, very alive city. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that, you know, um, Tetsuo collides with the Esper, whose name is, uh, I think that was Takashi, right? Of the, the no, I think he's the one who's being whisked away. Is it not a fourth one that died? Doesn't it? No, it's, uh, it's, I thought it was Takashi. 
But it is because he's brought to the end of that highway where the clowns and the and Canada's band or groups are fighting. He, then uh, Tetsuo crashes into him or like narrowly misses him. Yeah, sure. no, you're, you're thinking of the, well, his, of the same his fucking AT field repels. Yeah, uh, nobody is going to get that reference. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I just like and then to to see that develop and sort of emerge, and we continue to follow Canada, Canada, what, however you sorry. Um, and what? Whatever. They were just thinking back to five minutes ago when Jason said, you don't have to yeah. say no, that every no, time. No, I'm, I'm digging it. This, we're, we're talking a lot of, well, a lot we, of stuff we'll we talk like, about anyway. We'll, I, think, I think I know where Harry's going with this. And it's that, like, the the movie knows when to pick up and drop different plot lines. In my opinion, and yeah. Sh- not necessarily drop, but, like, show or not show. Like, what's going on in the background doesn't feel like you're missing much. It knows when exactly. to pick things up. It, like, it really understands what's important about mm-hmm. the story. Um, sure. And, and that makes it so that even though, in in my opinion, we talked about this a little bit before the recording, some of the B-plots feel a little bit underdeveloped. That never felt like a slight to me um, because I, I understood their purpose in the, the sort of grand scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's that felt unusual to me um, in, a, in a really cool way. Um, anyway, Aaron, sure. um, I'll kind of start. I, I agree with you maybe pretty generally. I think this movie, um, you know, it's two hours long. I think it feels longer than that. Maybe that's just me. Um, but it, it feels like a solid two and a half, which is not to say that I was bored during it. But yeah. How many minutes are we looking at here? 124. You're yeah. Right. So a little over two hours. Um, you know, I, I think this movie kind of has to do is it's cramming so much into, uh, you know, a, a pretty normal runtime, and I think it takes a lot of shortcuts that I think generally work. Um, I think the just the the art design of like the city is is so good at, at showing you exactly what has changed from from thirty years prior to where we're at today. Mm-hmm. Um, the shots where you know the the biker gangs are, are driving down the highway. Um, those buildings are like so tall. Yeah. They're like impossibly tall. And like they stretch so far beyond the top mm-hmm. of the screen. And it's an exaggeration because there are shots later in the film that actually show the city and it does look maybe a little bit more like an actual city that could be around today. Um, but when when they're when they're driving through the city, it's exaggerated to an extent where you get the feeling that these buildings truly are looming over these people that they feel like not even like an ant with yeah. a yeah. larger There's, system. Uh, man, yeah, the the set design that's not the right term for this but but the, I mean, the way that the city is drawn is like with that that density it's it's so purposeful and it does such a good job of communicating so much information visually mm-hmm. not just information about the city but the but information about how that city affects the the culture and spirits of its inhabitants mm-hmm. um which is really important to the movie because the sort of like battle for the soul of Neo Tokyo is like foregrounded a lot in this movie, and um, it's so well communicated in in so little comparatively, um, just by the choices that they make with the way that the city is drawn and the way that its inhabitants are drawn and the way that it's and laid the way out. That yeah. they they um, interact with the city and communicate with the city um, is really fantastic. I think um, we also just watched Blade Runner, um, and uh, I think that this. This movie does like a better job of using its setting to communicate its themes, I think, than even Blade Runner does. Yeah, um, there's a lot that you couldn't do in a live action film. I'm thinking specifically of the shots just in regard to like towering buildings. Um, you know, you, you would see two buildings that maybe they're I don't know they're driving through or what have you, or maybe it's a shot where they're just kind of standing around and there's buildings. And where in a live action film you would have to show 
between those buildings, you know, you see the sky, you see something else. In this animated film, it's, no, it's just more even taller buildings that kind of, that are in the background, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's the skybox to this entire um, scene, and it feels really oppressive, right? And the way that Blade Runner does, too, but Blade Runner does it maybe with some different kind of effects, um, you know, Blade Runner's doing a, a different thing. But I, I do like that aspect of it. I feel like it does maybe take some shortcuts that I don't like in regard to a lot of the political struggles going on within the city. Mm. Yeah, um, I, th- this movie's politics are really interesting and weird. Um, we can maybe talk about that, but I don't disagree. Like, we, we talked before the podcast about how, like, I was confused about one of the plot lines with uh, Ryu, the freedom fighter, and what's his name? The um, Mr. Nezu. Nezu. Mr. Nezu, yeah, who was an executive branch guy. Like, the way that that plot's that B-plot sort of culminates didn't make sense to me. Like, I couldn't understand it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, I'm with you. Like, that's something that, like, I wish I understood better and didn't. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Um, Cody, what do you think? Um, Whose side do you want? Uh, I guess, a yeah, side. as a sort of tiebreaker, I, I will side with Harry on the... Ah, oh, you piece of shit. <laughs> I do Here think, just, like, <laughs> purely, purely talking <laughs> about structure, um, like, I think this film is laid out super well. And if... Like, you know, as we said, this film is super influential in how it looks uh, and feels. Um, but I also think, like, there's a lot to be taken from how to weave together different sectors of an ensemble together into, like, a second and third act story that makes sense. Um, the establishing of the city at the beginning is... Um, I That really uh, felt... Like, that felt really important. Exploring the ver- uh, verticality of the buildings and then exploring, you know, we're just following these motorbikes through the city. I really like the music as well. Oh um, man, the sound music is so good. Just like something really like light drums, uh, like a lot of wooden instruments, and nothing like panting. There yeah. are like multiple yeah. tracks where there's just a fucking guy panting. Yeah. And it's the most, that like, was, sorry, despiding. that was me actually next to you oh, in the theater. Oh yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nothing electric, nothing electronic, um, almost playful as we're watching these like competing, uh, biker gangs like chase each other down. Man, the the opening is so reminiscent of the Warriors. I couldn't yes. get it out of my head. And like in general, the biker gangs are so extremely the Warriors. Yeah, and it works so well for that depiction of a sort of like repressed or ingrown masculine immaturity. Yes, which grows to be so important. Just this aimless too, right? youth. Yeah, I didn't even mean to say ingrown, but based oh, on the guys, that's a pretty Yikes. good. Uh, sorry. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, can... I did mean to say in Nice. If I can real quick just go back to the music, I'm so happy this does not have, like, some fucking pop synths over the top. Yes. It would have been so... You didn't want the Vangelis? I, 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 hey, Vangelis done a lot of good stuff yeah. in that vein. I am so fucking happy there weren't just, like, little fucking slightly jazzy synths over the top of this movie. Yeah, right? yeah. for sure. Just so it happy. Was, it was it's a brutal soundtrack, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the soundtrack, by the way, is by Shoji Yamashiro, which is the uh, pseudonym of Tsutomo Ohashi, who is a Japanese film score. It's a, it's a good like uh, get the get the full soundtrack going on YouTube and like do some work just with some headphones in. It's very yeah. good. I could see running away from somebody trying to kill me. Listening, I was to just going to say, like, damn, dude! Like, I would, I would like. <laughs> if my goal is, I, 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 I should say that. Sure, it worked, yeah, I am assassin. Work, yeah. um, yeah, work while that. like <laughs> doing pull-ups. <laughs> you don't. Nope. Uh, I will throw Aaron a bone here, though. Um, yeah, there, don't. Uh, Bring uh, it the, back. the only, the only thing, it's a boomerang. The, the only thing, the only thing. It is a boomerang. Um, I just caught it. Nice. Um, the, Good the catch. Thanks. Uh, the movie did uh, feel long 
for a, a period of time, but I think that was literally because we were in the trial on watching this longer than a normal person oh, would. Oh, yeah, we should, we should touch on that. Yeah. Uh, it was right at the point where uh, Tetsuo breaks out of containment for the first time he, after he's been hospitalized, quote-unquote hospitalized, and he's being, his brain is being poked around by, by the government. Right after he gets out, he runs away and gets back to his girlfriend, Kaori, who's like, where are we going to go? Like, where do you want to go? And he's like, somewhere far somewhere away from far here. Away. And, and they then, stare up at, through the chain link fence up to the horizon. They start listening to Weston It was beautiful. They talk about now, taking their grandpa's now, car. Now, that moment was a little bit ruined during our... Not like I had seen this movie before, so it's not terrible. But like at that moment was when they decided to restart the film because a few minutes earlier, one line of text. Very well, Colonel, as well as I think there was some like setting. Yeah, text. it was like for the school that they go to, that yeah. all the hoodlums go to, had frozen on the screen and was just stuck there yeah oh, it was, wow. it was and over any new word, text that would appear that's on very funny it was it was it was bizarre it was such it was such an it like it, i won't say that it was an interesting way but it was like definitive of my yeah. experience there and then that right at that moment when he's like somewhere far away from here they cut the film a few minutes and later started, started it not from the beginning but from oh. the beginning of that scene yeah, where yeah it was maybe a minute i was battery. gonna say that's like a significant amount of film that had passed no that's that was like, like a, a good, fourth through the movie that is like a good 25 30 minutes into the movie uh but yeah it was it was so literally we were there for a long, cause it was, you know, five minutes or so to change the video or whatever. It was on DCP. Yeah. It wasn't film. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I wish I knew how the subtitles worked for that kind of stuff. Um, I'm assuming it was just like an encoding error because when it sure. came back, it was different font. So Whoa. I think they just found a different subtitles file or maybe they used it was like wing the... things though. So I don't know what happened for the rest of this movie. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> it was comic sans. <laughs> People are yelling like Tetsuo, and, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the, the length of this movie never really bothered me that much. I only watched it for the first time a couple years back. Uh, I, the 25th anniversary edition, which I have in my hand right now, the Blu-ray was on sale on Amazon. Uh, don't give Jeff Bezos your money, but I did. Um, I did look. If you do need to buy this movie on Amazon, it is fourteen ninety nine currently on Blu-ray. It it's is also available on Hulu. Hulu. Which is I was how just I about to say. There are many other DVD better outlets. Region B. I didn't know. What? I haven't listened to it. I haven't watched it in so long. I tried to watch it on my PS4 last night, and it said it doesn't play in my region. You had a Region B yeah, DVD player sometime. Why, wait, why do you have a Region? I have no idea. So f- you just grew up with that? You watch it? That's the only DVD player? I don't know. Maybe you had a multi-region like DVD player only, in yeah, the yeah. PS4. Is it Cyberpunk to have a Region B DVD player? It's so Cyberpunk here. Wow. <laughs> My arm fell off. There and truly I are no <laughs> barriers between technology and civilizations. Yes. You can play any DVD anywhere you want, except for the PS4. Um, yeah, it also felt shorter to me because when I first saw it, I Greatness was like awaits. 10 or something. And uh, it was one of those movies like Westerns where like... It felt interminable at the time. Yeah. And like, I was still really into it. Because time passes at like nerd. three times yeah. regular speed when but you're But so 10. watching it last night and, and realizing that it's an actual, just a movie that's not like an afternoon, uh, was, was really gratifying. Yeah. Uh, cause I remember just endless, like motorcycles and big psychic babies and, and shit. Yeah. And like, I remember this movie being like nine hours long. Right? Yeah. So it, it felt great to me. I. Uh, were you going to say something, Aaron? Because I just have a question. Well, I was going to I was going to say that it kind of dragged on for me, but we don't have to really get into that. So well, I mean, if it's a synthesis illuminated. of the points we've already made, um, sure, you don't I need think, to say it. Uh, I think the, I mean, I'll just say it. I think the, the kind of climax at the end goes on probably an extra five minutes longer than it should, and it makes it movie feel maybe an extra 20 longer than it should mm. for Which me. Which specific 
Climax yeah, that's you. the question. Which specific climax? Because there's kind of two. Like you get to the point where there's a, there's a scene where uh, uh, Canada breaks with some of the revolutionary forces, breaks into the Sorry. government facility where they're holding Tetsuo and performing all sorts of weird experiments on him. Um, and first time I saw this, I was like, okay, yeah, we must be an hour forty five into this movie. And no, man, you're halfway through the yeah. movie at that point. Um, and so. That wasn't yeah. even what I meant either. So I, I was thinking of two other climaxes, which is my climaxes are hmm. uh, Tetsuo's I'm baby moment where yep. he uh, becomes a giant <laughs> becomes evil. Baby. Like, yeah. Uh, and then when he merges with Akira and we get the like psycho space where mm-hmm. like yeah. they're like becoming gestalt and uh, like reliving each other's memories, uh, which yeah. like, man... Speaking of influential, like, every anime movie has a, a moment where, like, conceptual mind space becomes the full space of the, the viewing. Yep. And, like, it's so cool to see it here because, like, every single... I just watched Penguin Highway. Uh, does, is, does it do which that? Which is great, and it definitely has a... Like, in its climax, there's a point at which, like, the conceptual and the, the real merge. Uh, mm. Yeah. Right. There's so, a lot of that in, in like, movies, and you—I wouldn't say you would expect it seeing this movie. And I, I don't know about Penguin Highway. Same thing happens in um, uh, Howl's Moving Castle, kind of yeah, near the end. Absolutely. And it's—I don't know. It's, it's actually, it feels like it would not really happen good, in a Western movie. That's like, a really good. Point. I can't imagine a big Western blockbuster um, doing something uh, like that. Man, I guess the whole like—I'm sorry. No, no. I was just going to list another uh, Masaki Yuasa, who did uh, Nighty Short Walk on Girl yeah. and. Um, Lou over the wall. That happens all the time in those movies. And then there's that movie. I think I've... he also did Penguin Highway. Is that also him? I believe so. Nice. Uh, there's another movie. Um, the Bo- Boy and His Beast, I think it was called. From, like, that movie rules. It is really good. But it plays with a lot of that, too. With, like between the imaginary, the conceptual, and the reality. Sure. So if, 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 if you want that itch scratched, yeah. we watch here, anime. Here it comes. I, th- I think uh, part of it. I watch a lot of Ano Hideki um, anime. Mm-hmm. I'm watching his and her circumstances right now. Um, and like partially because of budget cuts in that that series there are entire episodes that are almost entirely conceptual abstract images uh with it's like the it's like the one lo- what are the what is the what is the name for like the tv show like the filler no where it has like the the one room bottle like one episodes. Loca- bottle episode is that like the anime uh, version of bottle episodes kind of except that it, it's like the main idea of the entire series rather than just one episode but like like there are there are times where like you'll you'll be hearing this this character talking about her feelings and it'll just be like a shot of like power lines or like and and like with with like crazy pastel but with like minimal animation kind of thing or just like literally just like shades of blue that play out over each other over the screen um Something about the way that that anime can render the sort of like mind space as a physical space um, is like really um, distinctive to that style, um, mm-hmm. and it was really cool to see some early, maybe not necessarily early, but like some some obviously codifying elements of that yeah. in this movie. There's, There's a. I was just going to say once more, Mob Psycho 100. Yeah, that's also great. really good for that. Obviously, oh, a for, huge. Yeah. Akira is a huge influence yeah. on that. Oh yeah. man, in the best ways. Go was, ahead, Aaron. I was going to say there. There is a name for I can't remember it, but uh, in, in Scott McCloud's understanding comics, uh, he references Japanese animation, and he does talk about what, what does the pinkies up mean? You're being very fancy right now. Oh, okay. Uh, he does reference. There is a name for that Japanese style of animation where cuts to different uh, cuts to different shots kind of convey the passing of time or 
strengthen the themes. So mm-hmm. in Amer- American media honestly doesn't do it a lot, or if it does do it, it, it definitely owes its roots to Japanese animation and Japanese filmmaking, where you're trying to display that someone is sad, okay, show maybe a shot of a lake pond while someone is talking over right. it. Right, it's like pensive patience that I haven't seen in a whole lot of American yeah. And you wanted to talk about how influential this movie is, oh. Jason. Um, because it is often cited as like one of the most, sorry, I'm going to keep talking until you finish the donut. Go ahead, Cody. Oh, I was also going to say he also really wanted to eat a donut. Yeah. Got a bam. You want to make a comment about the donut, Aaron? <laughs> I, I do like the idea that the, like the one time he's like, okay, I guess I'm going to take a bite of this extremely dry <laughs> and dense thing. Shit. And Harry's just like, and now, hey, Jason, Jason, how's it going? <laughs> That's sort of my trademark. I did that to Cody a couple episodes ago. You've done that to me yes. too when I was taking a drink. Yeah. You know, uh, just trying to make sure you're awake. Do you need to take a sip of something first? You I need to take a sip of something first. Ooh. Sponsored by Lisa. Lisa. Lisa mattresses. You never. All right. I thought you were going to do like a drink Lisa or a mattress. No. Seemed like that would have been uh, natural. Sponsored by Mendota sparkling lime flavored sparkling water beverage. We're not sponsored by my Garfield are, mug that I'm drinking water out of. Sponsored by Aramark nice. and Coca Cola. We do not want to be sponsored by Aramark. I don't know anything about Aramark. They're not good. They're not a good company. Aramark. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to talk about why this movie is considered influential. If you can tell me why this movie is influential without mentioning its visual design, its audio design, or like the fact that it came from a manga. Or, well, let's say the fact that it got popular <laughs> in the West. Because all of the criticism that I read about it, it's like, this movie is really influential and here's why. It's like, because college students pirated it in the 80s and 90s and loved it. And that's what, like, gave birth to the Western uh, anime uh, industry and, like, all sorts of import efforts and uh, and localization. And because it looks beautiful and it's like usually at, at least 45 to 60 frames per second animation and it was all hand done. All legitimate reasons to think that this was, like, a great movie and uh, like a long lasting effect but like it all goes to say like oh this movie was very cinematic for its time and it was game changing for anime but like why why do we consider this story influential i as a slight um disclaimer or addendum onto that premise i do think like college students watching this um like i could easily see them kind of like how people took the wrong things from fight club like, people could take really superficial things away from Akira, which is beautiful, and, like, that's as far as I'm sure a lot of people get. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, that's it, a really good point. It's like a I said, baller blockbuster. Like, it's a ton of, f- air quotes, fun to watch, you know, in, and that's, in its own ways, if you only make it through the first, like, and you know, 60 minutes. That's valid as hell, because, like, I wouldn't be holding this Blu-ray right now if not for some dweeby college students in 1989 there's also there's a really interesting thing to that frustration that you brought up jason at least to me uh we're like i feel like a lot of sort of criticism around the history of cinema or like the history of animation or the history of like art and culture and how those things intersect it like it takes this really long view sort of like materialist historical view which is like probably not the wrong one to um, approach but it does feel really surface level because like like you said it, it often feels this way to me too where it's like how do you talk about how influential jesus akira is without like talking about what a like brave and harrowing story it is mm-hmm. it's trying to tell and like it's frustrating to me that 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 sort of criticism so rarely actually engages with the themes and ideas of what it's doing and like it's such a that's such a like fundamentally condescending approach to the idea of the history of cultural development. Right. It, 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 it's like it, it, 
<laughs> that's that's what happens when I have too many ideas that yeah. won't, won't fill in the words that I'm saying speak. Uh, but like the idea that we can condense everything that Akira is about, which is about a hell of a lot of stuff. We were talking about how this like there's so much to talk about in terms of story and not way too much to talk about in terms of plot in this movie. And to say like it was great because it's like one guy had this cartoon vision that he helped put to paper. Yeah, or like, like like wow, that's... so cinematic for an anime. And it's yeah. like like how do you, how are you going to say that? And how not patronizing like... to yeah, like an that's entire exactly art what I'm form, saying. right? Yeah. I I uh yeah, I think I generally agree with you. I think there's maybe something even a little more simple than that that you know, this movie I saw this for the first time at the uh midnight showing at the Uptown Theater here in Dope. Minneapolis. Yeah, that's sick. Um and this Hey, that's a good ass midnight movie. Yes. Um, assuming you know you drink coffee, stay awake for it. Uh, but uh, not like I did with um, Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell. Solid. Dude, it's like eighty minutes long. Yeah, it's like one of the shortest. Movie. Yeah, like seventy five yeah. minutes. So good. I'm, I'm pretty sure they gave me decaf though, because like oh, I didn't yeah, feel I didn't feel a single hit. They actually roofied you. They, it so was weird. unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, nothing happened. Like, like, we can't let this man Ghost in the Shell. Weird. You had nobody kicking your. You had nobody kicking your seat to get you to stay awake. Uh, no, this wasn't the Trilon oh. while watching Acura on April 21st, Damn. 2019. Uh, wow. Ghost in the Shell, the, I actually saw, I saw that at midnight, too, uh, with you, but also I saw it before, I want to say maybe like two years before I saw it with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I, I got a coffee for that, and I was like extremely tired, and I was like drinking my coffee, and it was like literally the most like just illuminating film experience I've ever had. Like my mind was moving like a thousand miles a minute. I was like I'm, making like I've thematic connections, and I was like... Oh, I should see every movie drink coffee <laughs> at midnight. I'm on you another rip level. Off your shoes and oh, start taking notes. That's, no, that's I know that feeling. <laughs> explanation of what coffee does, though, because like you, you ever do that thing on like a Saturday or something where you just accidentally drink too much coffee and you feel like you're like mainlining the secrets of the universe. It's <laughs> yeah. like you like sit down yeah. in front of your computer and like, holy shit, I figured I, all of it out. <laughs> like I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna be president. Yeah, exactly. It's like I, people are gonna hate it. I get. It. A version of that most weekdays. Um, a hint to the people in the room of when that is. It's when I message uh, our group chat at eight in the morning, asking when we're going to record next, or when I say, "Hey, what are we going to watch this weekend?" Hell yeah! I maintain that every single movie theater in the nation can afford and should serve coffee. Oh, coffee! Coffee is one hundred percent. Yeah, it's the cheapest thing better than popcorn. It doesn't need to be tasty to be effective. It keeps you awake during long. Like you're sitting. Imagine sitting for two hours doing anything else. I love this hot take. In the dark. Coffee is good. Coffee, coffee <laughs> is... Oh, no, no, uh, but it's we like... Are my, so hot woke, leave, my hot take is it is the best movie we're theater because food. we're drinking that's, coffee. That's a very oh, hot God. take. Pun intended. Hot coffee. Okay, so hot take and... Print of Are you making... <laughs> wow. Um, no, I was, that's yeah. not even a deep cut. That's just a gross <laughs> one. It's a gross cut. <laughs> no, it was a deep... Okay. Gross man. Uh, Jesus Christ. Um, no, so I, coffee does not impact me in that way coffee does not wake i drink eight cups of coffee a day wow. i never have trouble sleeping hmm. uh nothing but yeah, for some man, reason this goes I in the shell like show 25 i feel like i can sleep whenever it's just like you want me to be asleep right now let's <laughs> let's do it like give me 15 minutes and me. turn out those lights and i'm gone shout out to narcolepsy <laughs> Narcolepsy. Um, we're, anyway. uh, we're talking about the movie Akira from 1988, Jesus. directed by Katsuhiro Otomo, also the author and illustrator of the manga that ran for six years or so. Yep. Uh, and we were just about to talk about why this movie is still considered influential. When and we like, got off on like coffee, maybe sorry. from a thematic or narrative perspective. Rather than a technical one. Right. Which is, which is largely how it's talked about, right? Mm-hmm. In, in technical terms, which I think you and I, Jason, both think is like maybe a little bit condescending. Um, 
it's just limiting in your scope of right. like what you can see in this movie. To me, this movie like rings with a lot of uh, post-war trauma of like 40 years late. Yes. Um, which is a fascinating, like we talked about Stray Dog on this podcast yeah. and how that was like there, super man, fresh. I couldn't stop thinking about Stray Dog while I was watching this movie. A great, a weirdly great pairing, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, uh, again, Jason did a Letterboxd review where he talks about some of this and it's good. I don't. I remember maybe half of what I wrote in that. Uh, we should talk about anime being embarrassing. Right. Y'all yeah. should get your letterboxed reviews out of this movie out because I want to talk about them later. We've been doing this more often, and maybe this will keep us better on track. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but um, this movie just rings with a lot more than it. You know, it's a good cartoon, and I want to know if, like, to you guys, it. it I, I'm assuming to Harry since he's been like playing ball with this conversation. Yeah, that it does. But like, Cody, does this? When you think of this movie, are you, do you think like, oh, it's about post-war trauma and like the freshness of youth and all that? Or are you just like, it's a really good looking movie? Uh, I mean, I do think it's a really good good looking movie. I would like to think more about uh, those, you know, like the, the post-war trauma is something that uh, I as a white American man know very little about oh uh, yeah no extremely yeah. fair i should right. say that i I'm, yeah. I'm colonizing with each letter that i know for sure <laughs> oh we well we have we have in the midst of several war trauma which is a different kind of not necessarily trauma but maybe it just kind of pervasive atmosphere yeah, that influences yes. all of our media uh this actually is a fascinating uh movie to watch in the post 9 11 era oh, uh, totally. i kept yep. thinking about that quite a lot too <laughs> just like the war on terror and like mm-hmm. the the like the the like casual nationalist fascism that this movie depicts so well especially with regards to the the casualness of applied violence uh as a there's like that great scene it's not great it's terrible but like they've got like a pe teacher or something and they're disciplining disciplining uh scare quotes uh canada and his um bikers at school and the dude is just saying discipline and then left hooking them like in the face yeah and he just goes they're all standing in line and he just says discipline 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 and he hits them all in the face and then afterwards they're like thank you sir and they all leave and uh the whole act is our first act of this movie is dominated by extremely casual hyper like violence Mm -hmm. um and the the movie does a really cool thing with blood as well where where the blood in this movie is like radiant it's like neon red yeah, it's and like, great it really stands out on the screen and it's really obvious and there's a lot of it and it like it sort of like dribbles and is liquid in a way that real blood isn't really and it comes out at the drop of a hat so, yeah. a lot of blood in this movie yes, man a whole lot yeah. um but especially early on which is which is interesting right because like it it really foregrounds this sort of like very casual violent life is cheap sort of society yeah, mm-hmm. hyper violence is yeah right. and like yeah. And, and also it foregrounds bodies in a really interesting <laughs> sure. way uh because of like obviously it, it makes the subtext text at right. the end of the movie i was but, talking about how this movie doesn't have a whole lot of like facial uh variety like almost any of these characters you could swap wigs and clothes and almost like they would look pretty similar but in body proportions and shapes this movie has like a whole variety like mostly silhouettes define people as their or like yeah, that's a good point. Bikes that people are riding on to find them. Um, I think this would be a good like companion piece to A Clockwork Orange. Um, just For to, sure. Just in mm-hmm. that I, I think the society, part of the reason maybe that I, I, I feel a, a little, uh, maybe a small detraction I would have is that I, I do like a movie in which the society feels very lived in. And this is a movie where it is actually kind of like the beginning of A Clockwork, or- Clockwork Orange. It is impossible to imagine 
anybody actually living in the society. Like, going to work, buying groceries. Like, the, the view you get is just walk down the street, fucking got attacked by biker gangs again. Like, God damn it, that's, you know. That's interesting. They stole my purse. I don't disagree, but it's also a very dynamic society. Um, yeah. In that, this is a weird comparison to make, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Eldamovar movies. Where, like, in my opinion, at least I've only seen three or four Eldamovar movies, but, like, all of his his approach is really interesting to me in that I think he, like, he develops this sort of central thesis, and then he applies that thesis to all characters in different walks of life, and sort of, like, from this central singular thesis, he sees how it will affect a bunch of different people. Hmm. And that kind of felt like Akira to me in that, like, that's how the city felt is like, yeah. we got to see the way that the, the sort of troubles of Neo Tokyo were visited on all sorts of different class classes mm-hmm. and all sorts of different people, um, in different walks of life. And there was this sort of central idea and we can get to what that idea is. I think I have some understanding. I think you do too, based on what you've been, um, but, uh, but it, but it made the city feel very real to me in the sense that there was just this sort of like, these are all people from different walks of life and very different circumstances that are sort of ironically united by a shared trauma mm-hmm. um, that sort of permeates over class boundaries and creates resentments and creates... Um, uh, Shit. Well, it is also the thing that it, the, the idea of the shared trauma that, that everybody reacts to in the same manner is actually pretty directly pointed out because a lot of the, like, for instance, uh, the Colonel uh, Shikishima, his entire character is is kind of this this character who is yearning for this, this post-apocalyptic uh, uh, kind of society reunification, right? right? He, oh, he has man. this idealized vision of what it was like after... The bomb went off. It basically. was bad, but we like, we came but, together. Oh, yeah, we built together. You know, that's oh, I, there's one specific line. Yeah, I don't the speech on the in the elevator when yeah, he's talking. The, yep, yeah, the, he's, he's talking about like I forget the exact line. I should have rewatched this before uh, before recording. But he mentions like kids these days don't like have any yeah. uh, gumption to rebuild or yeah, he, whatever. He's like there was like a unifying spirit of reconstruction that that helped yeah. us build. Which totally... and also building is like a specific motif that's brought up several times. Is people oh, talk yeah. about the energy for building something. Um, I want to do that Miss Lonely Hearts quote that I did back in Koyana Scotts. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, the racial energy. Yeah, um, yeah it's. It's that that scene is so good because th- th- he's just like saying his character to you, but it, it works so well. It works and, like, super well. If you don't because know that he, this like, movie is smart by then, like you fucking know yeah. once that scene, you're like, oh, this movie's doing shit. This with movie it. is so like well written too, which again is one of those things that I think is overlooked a lot in like critical appraisal of it in 2019. 2019 is actually the year in which this yep. movie takes place. Yep. At it least does. the Russian and, uh, and the the Japanese Olympics are in the movie. They are coming up in 2020, and they are coming up that's right, right now in 2020. In Tokyo? Yep. Uh, yeah. Wow. yeah. In the movie, and that's Oculus the Olympic Stadium. The stadium. Ooh, that's another thing. I Can't wait I, for next year, Honey, fellas. you've got a big storm coming. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to let Cody talk a little bit, but I just want to like introduce the idea of the layout and the world of Akira. The thing that keeps coming back to me is the fact that 30 years later, they still haven't cleaned up Ground Zero. Like, it's just still cordoned off, and despite that, they have, like, reinstituted 
um, the, the Olympics, obviously, and most of society is, is you know, quote-unquote flourishing. There's just a big gaping wound in the heart of the city. Which is beautifully illustrated when the camera pans out to a big city shot and there's the big lit-up stadium that the Olympics are going to occur in, that the climax of the film occurs in, and less than like a mile from there, there's literally the crater of old Tokyo. It's such like good framing of how this movie comes together. Uh, and it really like, it sums up like that one shot to me sums up a lot of what this movie's yeah. about. I, uh, I want to ask Cody, if you have any thoughts about that, cause you haven't spoken in a while. Oh, thanks just call, Jason. Just calling these out. Uh, hanging out with Jason in social situations is really cool. Like if you're kind of having an off day and you're like sitting in the corner with your drink, it's like, Cody, what the hell? Hey, asshole, not, you haven't said anything. You're not no, guys, talking. Guys, are you, are you, are you, are you suffering from a trauma? Guys, I have to make a uh, time mark of this because we're going to have to plug in that Cody's um, sent me some recordings of what he was actually, since he wasn't going to be here today, that's just one of the lines that we're going to have to plug in from, <laughs> from him mentioning uh, random random things about movies and about not movies. Um, circling back to your original kind of premise of what do you think of when you think of this movie beyond the obvious, um, I think about what this movie does and could do more of without sacrificing a whole lot with regards to like bullying and how, I mean, how bullying shapes this whole story. Um, like we get the idea very early on that Kanada is, you know, he's his group's ringleader. Tetsuo is like in his same year, his, you know, friend, they obviously have roots. Uh, there's really only like a, a brief moment or two where uh, i think it's when tetsu was like mime riding a bike and kanada or somebody is like yeah idiot that's 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 <laughs> pointedly though that's the introduction to both characters right mm-hmm. yes. tetsuo is on canada's bike which is the iconic bike from this movie which like also brilliant that the iconic bike is actually a symbol of something you want of something yes. that's like inattainable also right. it's like, the same red as the blood yeah, it is, yeah. <clears throat> which is great. Right. Um, it's a great prop. Yeah, but but uh, Tetsuo's, like, ghost riding the whip, right? Like, he's, he's on it, like, uh, vroom, vroom. like, yeah, and Kanada <laughs> comes walking over, and Kanada's, like, the badass, like, would be the protagonist in most movies. I kept thinking about how that was itself a subversion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, and he's like, get the hell, he basically is like, get off my bike. Yeah, like, like, you like, think you can ride that? Yeah, it's it can like only handle, Tetsuo? like, my athletic A real man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then it's basically cut to chasing with the clowns, cut to Tetsuo's in an accident. Uh, and we only see much later in the film and, like, almost at the very end through flashbacks, like, the, the life that Tetsuo has lived up to now. Like, a lot of rich moments shared with Kanada, his supposed best friend. But, like, the inclination we get and are explicitly shown at times is that Tetsuo is bullied um, by Kanada and by others. Like, he's had a really rough go of it, and that's what kind of leads to the movie being what it is. This individual Im- 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 imbued? Imbibed? Imbued is good. Imbibed is something completely different. <laughs> uh, imbued with, like, godlike powers, um, dimension-shifting powers, and, mm-hmm. like, Part of the reason this all goes belly up is because, like, he is such a deeply troubled person with, like, a vengeance against the world. Yeah, right. it's... Um, yeah, I, that's a great point. Uh, I, to me, the, the thing that really sings about this movie is its treatment of masculinity, maybe even more than its uh, post-war um, themes. Although, those intersect in really important ways, which is, I think... I think Sorry, I'm just to lay out all my cards, I guess. But, like, I think that the way that this movie treats 
post-war trauma as intersecting with toxic masculinity is like the thing of this movie is like the thing that makes this movie really like special um but uh there's a really I, yeah. good I, you read something about yeah there's a really okay. good article called you called for me masculine pain and isolation in akira which is written by gretchen felker martin for a vrv blog uh when Merritt copas was their editor for a time uh that was a great blog there's a lot of really really great content on um anime on it there's um, something on Perfect Blue as well. If I yeah, remember, there is. That is also uh, really great. Neon Genesis and a bunch of other really good stuff. I didn't get to write for them. You didn't get to? No. Oh. no. <laughs> Moment of silence Sorry. for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did. Yeah. I wrote several uh, things on it. Under a pseudonym, right? Yeah, under yeah, multiple. I was actually yeah. the whole blog. It was Most of it, yeah, I think. think but, wow. No. Lucky. Um, yeah. Uh, I think... What was I going to say? Oh, the core um, toxic masculinity. Just, yeah, like... Like, Tetsuo is a character defined by self-loathing and resentment that he can't be Kaneda, basically. Like, Kaneda and Tetsuo grew up together in an orphanage, basically. I think, I, I don't know if it's ever explicitly said, but I think it's pretty clear that their parents died in the Tokyo explosion. Um, I mean, the timing the is timeline about is, right. And there's that uh, flashback, right, where, like, Tetsuo is thinking about how, like, he, he has that psychic dream where, like, he is now responsible for the blast. And, mm -hmm. like, he sees Canada being killed in it. Um, and, uh, but, but Canada is more charismatic. Um, he is tougher. He, uh, he's a, a natural leader in a way that Tetsuo isn't. And so Tetsuo assumes this sort of child kid brother role to Canada, except that he hates it. Like, he, he despises the idea that Canada has to rescue him constantly. I think that comes up, right? Yeah, he, he yeah says, multiple times. Yeah. That, like, has a nice um, kind of arc through dialogue when they're in the Olympic Stadium, uh, and probably before then, too, just like, you know, I don't need you to save me anymore. Right. And I and think that was actually in when they were with, uh, like, Takashi and the three powerful children people. the espers yeah yeah the yeah that's a way better yeah uh yeah i think it first comes up there and he's starting to get you know his powers he's got his cape it's like i don't need you saving me anymore right uh and and when he gets his his terrible psychic powers he adjusts to them very quickly and he loves them right because like now he has this new sense of self-definition now i but, have a gun um and this is something that's a through line throughout the entire movie you he maintains exactly who he is even post having these these powers mm -hmm. where like after he gets god psychic powers the first thing he does is he goes and beats up his former gang and he tries to find canada's bike yeah. right <laughs> yes. and, and like he even says himself like i don't need a piece of junk like that anymore like motherfucker can fly like he, he's like he has god powers and like he's still looking for a fucking motorcycle because he thinks it's cool you know you know what i thought of because uh, that is fantastic uh it also like it makes me think of the social network where like by the end of the movie spoiler alert for social network it's based on a true story it, you, so. you fools uh jesse eisenberg is just like asking rooney mara to be his friend on facebook and refreshing the page like that is the through line is like this connection with this one person just like you know uh canada's bike yeah well, being in, like, in like the token mm -hmm. the idea that that and this is so important to the movie's themes right that like having this power does not make you a better person like you do not rise to be the person 
that could handle powers like this, and that's why these powers are terrifying. Not necessarily because they're terrifying in and of themselves, but because they are fundamentally something that is a tool for the people who hold them. Uh, it, and the they're people, not a catalyst of change, is what right. you're saying. They don't, or they don't, they don't elicit change in and of themselves. Right. They are still fundamentally human shaped. Mm-hmm. They're they're still something that are defined by the wielders. Um, which is Kyoko, the sort of Esper leader. She has precognitive powers, and she foresees the end of the world, basically. And she says, like, that's the problem with psychic powers, is that, like... And uh, what's her... Kai? Kai brings this up, too, although she might have been possessed by Kyoko at that time. In the jail cell? Yeah, yeah she was. Explaining, which sucks. That's a This movie has a woman problem. Super disappointing. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, but but they say that like Akira is like this pure energy, right? It's like the the energy of building personified. But like humans can't wield this power. It's impossible for us because we're too small to understand it, and we would misapply it, and it would bring about the end of the world. Um, which like man, for fucking nuke metaphors, like you can't do much better than this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, anyway, like it's it's fascinating that like it comes down to like this this the story ends up being about one boy's self-loathing inadequacy issues. And even at the end of the movie when he is becoming a god, he still wants to kill or impress or overcome Kanada, his childhood rival. Um literally blowing up the city in the process. Um and of course, Canada, who has not been watching the movie, is still trying to stop him, like through force, mm-hmm. because He's shooting him because that's the only like understanding that they have. Which is like, sorry, I'm talking too much. No, go for um, it. But like, that's that's the thing about that. To me, that's what all of the the depictions of violence and the the city as this sort of like repressive and repressed. Um, underdeveloped an overripe peach as yeah, mr nezu calls him to. but but underdeveloped uh landscape and how that reflects the the in- interiority of these characters is it it's like stripped them of an emotional understanding right where they they can't express themselves the way that they should be able to they sh- they mm-hmm. can't express vulnerability probably very specifically they're, um, they're kind of shuffled I, I don't mean to derail your point but um they're kind of shuffled into various social roles right? right like if you're friends with a gang member or like a bicycle gang member you're just a gang member that's what you are you're a miscreant you're a, a delinquent and and those relationships are warrior style defined by what they can't express mm-hmm. like those those biker gangs are about projecting um, a toxic masculine um, disaffectedness where like they can't like women are just meaningless distractions for them and uh, their bikes are the only thing that they can express affection toward mm-hmm. um, and it's it's like very Scorpio rising uh, <laughs> it's uh, but but and we get to see that the consequences of that lifestyle and that mentality but also and like What's so key about this movie is we also get to see where where that mentality came from and why it was established and like the living circumstances that created these people. Hmm. Um, this to me is a movie that's like really fundamentally concerned with where things came from 
and where they're leading. Um, and I, in my opinion, it does a really, really good job of illustrating that. Do you guys agree with that? Do you feel like this is this is a movie that like where you really understand how things came to be the way that they are? Yeah, almost like ironically in that it sort of obscures until like the last maybe 15 minutes. It obscures a lot of its backstory about like who Akira actually was and what was actually going on and, you know, the relationship between Tetsuo and Kanada. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree that it um, it does a great job of building its world and its history through those characters. Like, Aaron, you brought up the like the bomb dropping, which was Akira yeah. exploding, basically. Yeah. But that's, oh, like, yeah. that's the first alert. thing we see, right? And like that's the thing that, that frames the entire... Uh, story to follow is like this is a story about what happens after something like that and mm-hmm. like again like ma- like maybe one of the most obvious uh, and heartbreaking like Hiroshima Nagasaki analogs ever is just like we see a city and then we see a bright light and then the city's gone it's like damn like <laughs> yeah I generally, you know, I, I don't know the movie again makes some shortcuts I kind of feel like especially some of the stuff with um, the relationship between Tetsuo and Canada, I think, is maybe a little underwritten. I don't know. I, I could have used more of it. Um, I think the narrative device they use at the end with this weird kind of, you know, telekinetic flashback sequence, uh, kind of explaining the relationship, I think feels kind of cheap and rushed, to be honest. And um, I, think, I think I noted that in my letterbox review is that it does like cram a lot into that last yeah segment, just post climax, uh, to sort of give some story back there. You, that didn't work for you though. No, uh, I don't know. I, I I like the character of Tetsuo kind of taken out of the film, right? Like, I, I think it's, I think the movie does a good job of um, kind of showing his corruption over time, and I think it, it does a good job of showing just how ridiculous that is, you know? Like, one of the acts that, that he does near the end of the movie when he becomes more powerful is he gets this kind of red flowing cape, and he starts wearing it kind of like Superman, and it just looks fucking ridiculous. Like, and, and it's like, Superman to... is, like, ex- exactly what he's going He's for. totally like, yeah. going for Superman. He's like, look at me, like, I'm a fucking badass. Yeah. I can fly, yeah. I can shoot shit out of my hands, I'm powerful. Um, and he looks ridiculous because he is ridiculous, of course, because he's he's trying to emulate the kind of overly masculine uh, society that raised him that he always looked up to that he could never attain. And shout, um, shout out to Canada, yeah. seeing him and being like, "Oh, I thought you were going to cry like the crybaby that you are." What he like runs into him? And I'm like, I know he basically like makes him. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I know it's, uh, but you know. I don't know. I kept this is like super cheap, but I kept thinking like Christopher Nolan has taken so much from anime over the years. You know, like Inception is pretty much just like a a version of Paprika. He's uh, getting a far ready. far worse version of Paprika. I, I actually like I like Inception a lot. Um, I'll defend Inception. Movie blows. I'm an Inception defender. I like Inception. Paprika is better. Uh, I was gonna say I like. I, I may a like lot Inception better. better than Paprika. Actually, Christopher Nolan's um, a fucking. You. We were trying to but help you know, dig you out of this. We were the, throwing the dirt out of I, the hole while I'm you were not, throwing it. I'm on not yourself. a big like Christopher Nolan guy. Especially think the I, I like Dunkirk a lot, but uh, Interstellar sucks ass. Um, but uh, I, I think if I. Christopher Nolan has been obviously so influenced by anime. Like, it's, it's kind of undeniable. And I just kept watching this, and I kept thinking, man, if Christopher Nolan was doing this shit, like, nobody nobody would stop giving him shit for this, taking these shortcuts to the emotional payoff that is, is this, going This movie the also movie. has a woman problem in a similar way. In a no similar way, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's actually not a terrible point. If it was Christopher uh, Nolan, they would have killed the female characters off screen. Uh, but other than that, yeah. The... Um, the yeah to to me going back to your point i think that and this is this is personal but like i don't disagree that the canada uh tetsuo relationship is underdeveloped i think that 
it's made up for in the depiction of the world itself. Hmm. Uh, because we get the sense, like, again, like, where responsibility falls is such an important part of this movie, where it's explicitly called out by Kyoko. Kyoko, who, by the way, is the, like, mouthpiece for the, the movie's themes. So, shout out to Kyoko. She's great. Um, she's one of the espers. Uh, but, but she, at one point, says, like, we are in part responsible for Tetsuo being the way he is now. Um, but the implication is, in part, is where where else is that responsibility shared? Where does it fall? And it's not just Kaneda himself, right? It's also the society that created Kaneda and Tetsuo mm-hmm. that we see so much of. We see so much of fascists beating the shit out of protesters, which, like, also, holy shit, like... 1988, there were, like, actual <laughs> tax reform riots happening in uh, Japan. Uh, this yeah. is, this like, is totally a critique of, like, a neoliberal market-based yeah, economic it super reform. Is. Yeah. And, like, like, you see, like, literally riot police with billy clubs, like, beating protesters in this movie, and it's fucking wild. Like, uh, that's a... And, and it goes maybe even a step farther than just, like, touching at those themes. Like, there is a super secret shadowy council that is deciding, like... Okay, should we increase the taxes? Should we decrease to make the public a little happy? Mm-hmm. Like there is this yeah, reading of the minds that it's, comes it's together. It's definitely security theater, right? Like yeah. it's all about like how are we going to manipulate the mood of these people where we want it to be. Nineteen eighty four. Uh, so, yeah. So one, I mean, two thousand one. I was going to bring this up, but one thing that that I touched upon a little bit in our discussion on nineteen eighty four, which I assume is coming out earlier than this one. It is. It on is, the schedule. Right? I mean, yeah, I we be. recorded about 1984. So if you haven't heard it, uh, I guess go listen to that. Um, and one thing I, I talked about is that I compared it a little bit to Brave New World, like I'm in middle school, I guess, uh, and said that I, you know, I think that 1984 <laughs> was kind of incorrect in some of its assessments of society, and I think that um, it's maybe it's not to the the film's fault, but I think Akira is maybe a little bit too. Um, it's maybe not as sanitized as it would be, you know? I, I um, think that the, the problem with a lot of these movies is uh, that they are too optimistic in their dystopias. They, they right? think like, dystopia is going to go... Like, like yeah, things would be a little friendlier, right? Like, they would sell it to us a little more than they do in this movie. I, I just, like, I think that a lot of dystopian movies actually fail in that they still imply the possibility, or, like like a different sort of hope than we actually have. I don't oh, know. Oh, I was going to go the opposite direction. Oh, sure. I was going to go, you know, I, I, for, I think in terms of like kind of depressing, like visions of the future, I think like her does a good job at that. Like, sure. The, I, I'm not feeling like in Akira, I'm, I, you know, I get the sense that there's this kind of neoliberal, like shadowy cult controlling the monetary system. Um, but I don't get the sense that like it's being sold to everybody, which like one thing her does well is it's like, yeah, we're going to package up your emotions and like, and sell it to you. Like I was, I was at the store earlier today buying, uh, cards for, uh, uh, my parents' anniversary. Um, oh, that's sweet. Yeah. It's their, their wedding anniversary. Do, you, do people do that? Shout out uh, to the Grossman I, I, saw it on my, I saw it on my calendar. I put it on my calendar. My parents were divorced when I was like, oh, six, Jason, so I've never really had that experience. Yeah, that's really fucked up. I'm going to delete this whole segment. <laughs> Anyway, so I was I was thinking about the movie Her because we were in the the gift card or the the greeting card section, and I was looking over greeting cards just make me extremely depressed. Um, and I was thinking about the movie Her, and I was like, you know, that's a really good like the the, the main character in Her like basically writes super nice messages mm-hmm. for people for his job to go in greeting cards. And I was looking at the greeting cards, and I was like, this is basically what is happening now. Like there's a fucking novel length in every single one of these cards that somebody else wrote for you to just like give to somebody else. Um, and, and that is kind of the image of the future that really like touches me. Cause it's like, 
I, things are going to be shitty, but they're going to sell it to us as if they're not. And Akira, the future, it does, they're not even trying to well, do that. Well, that's the source of cider, cyberpunk, right? There like is that creating disparity, creating yeah. an obvious, like, lower class, creating obvious, like, anguish and terror and, yeah. like, poor quality. And building. also, the, the I'm with you, actually, yeah. but I think that this movie does a pretty good job of one specific thing with its dystopia, which is that it uses violence to suggest the impossibility of anything else. Um, I think that the, the way that the movie's authority figures use violence is as a sort of, like, not only um, repressing tool, but also a definitional one, where it's saying that, like, this is the way that life is, and we're going to literally pummel you into thinking that. Where, like, like the, the police in this movie are so quick to use brutal violence, and yeah. everyone in this movie is very quick to use brutal violence. Oh, yeah, Shikishima uh, literally stages a coup, and in about 15 seconds just murders his There's also officers. a really, really good scene where... Shikishima says, shoot him. And he goes, uh, yes, sir. And the, the soldier shoots the guy, and then the guy next to that guy shoots the soldier, and that's it. Yeah. It's just like, like that just happened. And then and then Shikishima literally like steps over the bodies and then says a speech, and then the coup is over. But it's like, what those two guys just fucking die for like <laughs> no reason. Uh and people die for no reason in this movie, like constantly. Um and I, I think that that works really well for it in terms of like this is like the the pointed and um, deliberate cheapening of life toward an end, yeah. and the end being uh, like control, right, or or suppression. Power. Yeah, um, I, I would tie this maybe back to an earlier point when we were talking about people maybe not being willing to engage with the themes kind of behind the aesthetics of this movie, mm -hmm. behind the violence. Um, there's a good, it may be a little hard to find, but there's a good, um, the Austin Film Society screened this maybe a decade ago, and they had the the kind of the show notes or the, the, the notes before, you know, kind of setting up the film uh, were written by two people, Evan Driscoll and Shane Hansen. I don't know what they're up to now, but they were members of the Austin Film Society, and they wrote little mini essays. And one thing that Evan... Uh, Driscoll mentioned, and I think you need to find it on like the Wayback Machine, but it, it is one of the references on the Wikipedia page for the movie, um, is that this movie kind of gets like unfairly kind of pushed into like this hole where a lot of people just talk about the violence in this movie. And this movie is very violent, but again, the violence, the violence is to is this really greater important. point. And it's, it's sad, right? It's, it's trying this terrible. extremely sad, isolated society. Um, in, in like fundamentally about like the repression of specifically like male psyches and what, yeah. what it means when males are underdeveloped and how they hurt other people sure. with that. I don't um, think, I don't think it's a coincidence that when, <laughs> when uh, Tetsuo starts to come into his power is the thing that starts warping is his body, right? Right. Um, it it's turns into his body horror film. Well, yeah. he literally becomes a big baby. Yeah. Yep. Like he becomes stronger, but it's again, it's still kind of ridiculous even when he's no longer wearing a cape and flying around. Yeah. Right. Um, so he literally becomes a big flesh baby at the end of this movie. Yeah, big big flesh baby. No, I'm baby. For, he has for, his I'm baby. Very, yeah. <laughs> flesh baby is like the most hardcore fucking like gritty ass band ever. You guys go. You see guys want to start baby. flesh baby? You know, I don't. I don't want to have t-shirts. Flesh baby. Flesh baby. Don't why you don't Google. Incognito tab. Good call. Yeah. <laughs> Bandcamp. Jason is Googling Eshbaby at uh, fleshbaby.bandcamp.com. Fleshbaby.bandcamp.com does not exist yet. We could have We it. could start it up. Are we starting Fleshbaby? I think yeah, we're starting we'll start Fleshbaby. Uh, I'll be first... on the trombone. 
I'll be bass. I can play trombone. Wow. I can play trombone. Going so ska band already. We can put it through a distortion kind of thing. And sure. That's still ska. The, the first CD will be called That's Wall. <laughs> um, and the O is the CD yeah. itself. Yeah. But yeah, this movie, yeah. I And I, again, to tie it back to maybe even an earlier point when you were talking about why this movie maybe got popular. Um, I mean, I think it's maybe a little silly to deny it. Like this movie does... This movie did gain an audience. You know, you were talking about college students watching this movie, um, but it does kind of fit into a lot of the kind of midnight movie, kind of grindhouse, uh, you know, kind of smoke weed and watch a movie. It fits into yeah, a totally lot of the, the underground that would have been watching art films at this time, right? Not necessarily like sad brooding art films, but art films that have... Like a lot of violence, a lot of like sexuality, and like a lot body of, horror, Cronenberg yeah, shit. Like body the end horror, of this is straight out of like a you, grindhouse. You could, book. you would be afraid doing it, but you could smoke a blunt and watch this movie in college and have your mind expanded. Fucking terrifying, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but a lot of people watched. You know, people watch all sorts of. You want to really get high and watch Flesh Baby? You want to listen to this soundtrack while doing accounting work? What the fuck, bro, are you dude? Talking if you about? if you play Akira and you seriously Flesh Baby's third album, you play it the minute. The minute the bomb goes off, I swear to God, dude, it syncs up. It's crazy. It's every new song. Yo, it's like, I boom, every scene. That. Let's do it. Well, Flesh Baby doesn't exist, so you can't. Uh, it, does it does now. now. <laughs> yeah, We're in a private podcasting room. Um, Cody, get in on this These are baby. not chill beats to relax or study to. Cody's <laughs> like, I'm not actually a part of this conversation. These are terror uh, beats to be terrified. I just to. met these people today. This is embarrassing. Is, is there any, I guess just a topic of discussion, is there any, because we haven't done a big plot thing, which I, John somewhere is like just clapping and so happy we're not just talking about the plot constantly. But is there any specific <laughs> scenes that we haven't talked about that we want to bring up? Any plot points? Um, it was touched on very briefly a couple of times that this film does have a uh, problem with women um i'm cool jumping into that i'm also cool with leaving that alone because we're probably not the best people to talk about it's fair i I agree with with that point um i would also say that to i don't know if like as far as the discussion goes if it's a very constructive point to bring up like specifically we're not the ones to talk about it yeah primary reasons we maybe right but it does have problems with women it does have at least one instance of attempted sexual assault there will be a content warning before this so that we can at least Go, yeah. If you if you haven't watched this movie and you yeah. plan on it, that's uh, that part fucking sucks. That really does. It, it does, and she's that's that's Kaori. Uh, she is te- at that time Tetsuo's girlfriend. Um, her she spoiler her alert. I guess she dies yep. later in this movie in a way that is super uncertain. So uncomfortable. First time I watched this movie, actually, my lingering thought walking out of the movie was, you know, oh, that's a good that's a good movie. Happy I saw that, but also like this extreme uncomfortable. Like I could not you stop even, thinking you about even that. Said scene. that before that is, our, yeah, our show starts. Definitely yeah. the one scene. That I that really sticks with me too. Like it really is traumatizing. To uh, so yeah, about. just to, I mean, she just gets crushed by uh, yeah, Tetsuo expanding in the and like it kind of yeah. makes like this is gross. I don't want to justify it, but like specifically the idea that like at that point Tetsuo's body is expanding. He says that my body won't listen to me, and he is looking for help from people and looking literally to like embrace and like to be with people and to be comforted to be swaddled basically he's a big baby and he like mice and men style crushes cowrie inside of him yeah um and then like says something about how her pain is flooding into him uh and he can feel it but cowrie like she's like a really like the only like the only person more shit on than tetsuo and she's like a good character like a person she's like the only nice person she's like defined by how she 
actually just cares about Tetsuo, not even like as a boyfriend, but right. just like almost as like a motherly type figure or like just as a good person. And it fucking sucks that like, and, and like, again, it's weird because it, it could be pointed. It works. I with think the it's very clearly pointed, but theme, it's also very clearly like, uncomfortable. Tetsuo yeah. doesn't care about her. And, and like Tetsuo is so fucking like, woe is me. Nobody cares about me. I'm always bullied. And it's like, how can you fucking say that? And like Kaori, like her whole purpose in this movie is to stick up for you and be kind to you. And mm. it just doesn't, uh, it's very frustrating. It's a, not to pivot away from this character. Um, but, uh, the other sort of woman injustice in this movie, in my mind is we have Kay, who's, uh, very strong character and excellent foil for the, like, morally shitty Kanada who's just trying to like yeah. get with her for the extent of their time together in this movie. Um, the third act or so essentially just amounts to uh, Kyoko for what it's worth, but just Kyoko being the literal mouth or K being the literal mouthpiece for Kyoko as she kind of bleats, you yeah. know, godly exposition. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Bleats exposition through her. And it's, it was, he is so annoying. Kai is this like fucking badass yeah. freedom fighter. Yeah. And like one of the only person people in this movie with a pointed ideology yes. and a, a pointed like understanding of what's happening and a point of view about how to change that and to make it better for people. Um, and her role in the movie is to be possessed by another female character who will say the plot at you. Instead of being a person with her own agency, her agency is literally stolen from her by right. another character. Yeah. It fucking sucks. And I don't know, I, none of us know anything about the manga. I don't know if this was a crude attempt to kind of merge things together to get us through a two-hour movie. Um, but, you know, that's its own separate thing. Like, for yeah. what it's worth in this movie, that sucked um, a and lot. Not, just as a note, you can please hold on to what you were yeah. saying. Uh, but just as a note, I believe the manga has more like a diversity and a respectable amount and uh and utilization of female characters in the yeah. in the in the actual manga there rather are, than this according to uh wikipedia um <laughs> the great source of truth it is uh yes, there agree, are actually. there the manga from what i could tell is broken up into six volumes um the first volume is titled tetsuo the next two are titled uh, akira one and akira two the two after that volumes four and five are kai one and kai two and then the last one is Canada. Oh, that's, wow. that's volume so six. Kai, Kai K really has a much, much bigger part. In you, the would think, she has here. you would so, think. You would think. Is it supposed to be Kai? It's, a, it's Kai? I've been pronouncing it Kai because it's K-E-I in most translations I can find. Okay. Um, the, the technique that I do when I'm, and maybe this is shitty of me from the start, but like sometimes I, wow, sorry. But like in my like writing and stuff, I sometimes have to talk about how like, things I like have shitty women problems. And the way that I try to approach that, despite being a dude who doesn't really have the right to talk about it, is I, I try to talk about how it contradicts the themes that the movie itself is trying to establish to treat women that way. And I think that that's a mistake that this movie makes itself. Where, like, I think this movie is, like, really deeply empathetic. Honestly, I think that's true. I think it's it's all about how we have a responsibility to each other and about how when we fail in that responsibility by whatever reasoning or like however we we failed what happens to people and why that's wrong um and for all that to be true and for the movie to treat its women this way really sucks because like it it's it's a double standard right it's saying that like it's so terrible to watch these things happen to Tetsuo and to Kanada and to this entire society 
but also we are going to use women in this way and not comment on it and not yeah. treat it with the same weight that these other characters are treated with. It, it sucks to have the accept, you know, that like it's a movie about uh, like, that, a very nuanced uh, portrayal and um, an examination of themes of masculinity and shared trauma and, you know, uh, toxic, like I said, toxic masculinity and sort of repressed emotion except for its women it's women are yeah. just sort of like well and like specifically this this movie is dystopian society uses people as a tool toward an end right they're suppressing yeah. the truth and they're suppressing this sort of trauma instead of dealing with it mm -hmm. which is what you said and like akira sort of represents that right is akira's buried beneath the earth and like they won't confront it they won't think about what it is because it's too frightening to think about it's too frightening to um to uh, confront. And so instead we get this repressed sort of doubled society where like there, there are people who they have this massive shared secret trauma that nobody will talk about and nobody will address. And it's creating this violence where like, instead of confronting that part of themselves, they're choosing to stay in a, in an uh, underdeveloped psychic, no pun intended place right. where they are, selfish and prone to violence and unable to express themselves. Yeah. I think the movie makes the point that the reason why the society is like this is because they haven't moved on from the trauma of Akira's explosion and they won't. And right. they're choosing not to. In which the, the violence is also a cycle, right? In which it will happen yes. again because of the failure to confront. Right. Basically kind of quote that, that lame-ass history quote about repeating yeah. it. But, but, it, it, I think but yeah, that's, that's, and that, you that brought is the point up that, the movie is that making. Neo-Tokyo is just... <laughs> neo tokyo right it's yeah it's a it's an explosive sort of like almost farcical exaggeration of everything that was before mm -hmm. but yeah. it's exactly the same right? it's everything they dialed up to 100 yeah. olympic stadium on top of akira like this this celebration of their their sort of culture and their uh like advancement and it's on top of this this literal buried secret um, yeah that is coming to by uh their their inability to confront it define everything about the society that developed around it. and um, it's it's also kind of interesting so one of the main plot points at the end of the movie once they once tetsuo uh unearths akira akira or unearths his uh i guess containment facility he's contained underneath this olympic uh stadium uh once he opens kind of his little capsule that he's in um he discovers that that he's no longer even alive it's not even a body he is um akira is basically just a collection of body parts kept in individual little capsules with, you know, like medical fluid. It's and like the culmination, uh, one of the culminations of the body um, fascination for sure. that this movie mm -hmm. has. Yeah, and, and one thing the colonel says kind of over a loudspeaker that, like, literally the minute that Akira caused this giant explosion, they started performing medical tests on him. They dissected him, they poked and prodded him to see how he worked. Um, and so it's it's this kind of, this thematic point that, like, they didn't even wait a second. Like, literally, the minute something happened, they were like, oh, let's, let's see how we can turn this and towards science. Eventually put them in cold storage because they couldn't figure it out. And mm -hmm. so the idea was that eventually, like, it's, he's like a weird time capsule. They put him down in the ground so that future generations who are better than them could address this. And the point, of, in my opinion, one of the big points of the movie is that isn't how it works. Yeah. Because the future is you. 
Like, whatever the future is going to be, it's coming from what we are right now. And therefore, we have a responsibility to deal with everything that's happening right yeah. now. And he's also the symbol of this kind of unacknowledged uh, uh, trauma, right? Like, he is still suffering. Like, there, there is some sort of... Um, he is communicating with Tetsuo. Yeah, it's, it's his, it's implied his... that he's in anguish. Right? Uh, right, and, his... and they say Akira's energy is everywhere. And it's, yeah. it's even implied that the espers themselves are all manifestations of his sort of original power, right? right. Like, the idea, in my opinion, is that, like, and they, they say this, but, like, Akira himself is, like, the next stage of evolution. And... I hate when movies do that. It, it's quick. rough. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. You know, but, but like, it, that power reaching down is what the psychic powers are. Like, truly. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea that these people have is that we can't deal with it right now, and so we have to put it off. And the movie's point is that that putting it off is not something that we can do. Exactly, because in, in the interim, the people who, both the people who were involved in the original uh, experimentation and sort of the, like, guising of, of the actual accident uh, come to, I won't say fetishize, but because it's unaddressed, it's sort of othered a little bit. And then by the time that Tetsuo rolls around and he has this uncanny resonance with Akira's energy, then like, then is when everything goes in a, uh, emergency mode of like, got to contain him, got to control him, got to prod and poke rather than like seeing what that means. Like maybe this is the, maybe, maybe Tetsuo is, a, is like a harbinger of like the sort of the way that we might be able to process yes. this. Or like it, I mean, it's it's the it's the the sins of the um, father coming home to roost, right? It's like literally like like Tetsuo was this manifestation of the unaddressed that's literally coming mm -hmm. to be addressed because like you can't like you can't stop. avoid it. It's you going to explode. Um, and they still are trying to reestablish this idealized pre-war culture that or post-war culture that never really maybe existed we never see it certainly um but there's there's this constant it, the idea the ideology of colonel shikashima especially is all about re-establishing an old ideal that we never see in the face of a terrifying truth that they can't comprehend or manage and so instead of managing this they're trying to default back to an ideal that they can understand and mm -hmm. deal with and the point is like kyoko says like that has already begun like the future is now and you can't look away from it and you you have to address it because if you don't it's gonna fucking come for you <laughs> yeah they're gonna make the 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 live action akira they're gonna make it about 9 11 aren't they they're totally gonna 100 <sighs> I, mean, I, I hope it i hope it never happens i think it should ghost, never happen i hope should, i think no. the ghost in the shell thing probably cooled hollywood for a little bit on anime oh, adaptations no, man, i mean netflix is doing the whole cowboy bebop thing but that's yeah. netflix you know that's the series <laughs> um uh, one thing that i read that was interesting i don't know the citation on this but shortly after it uh this movie gained traction in the west then uh western film distributors and production companies started seeing like the potential of it and they approached george lucas and steven spielberg about making an adaptation oh they're like and they, and they, oh i like steven spielberg I but, so like, but god he bless does them not, both yeah. they turned it down they're like really we're not going to be able to do this like we're and not then he the picked people up Ready for Player this. One many years later. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lesser of two evils. Right? Seriously, yeah, I, well, it's for sure. But 
Yes. Don't the, isn't Canada's bike in Ready Player One? I wouldn't. Yeah, I, it is. Couldn't tell you. It actually it, I, I, think, I think that is the Toby. bike that the main character drives Jesus in that movie. Are you no, maybe he drives the DeLorean, you know, but the honestly, bike is in the movie, yes. If that was a metaphor for how the character doesn't understand things, it would be kind of funny. But it's yeah. not. What, he just doesn't fun, understand I, them. I have not seen Ready Player One or read the book, but like, isn't the Iron Giant in there like blowing people up? Yeah. The Iron Giant is like a big player from what I've heard. Dude, fuck off forever. Yeah, I hate that so much. I love Iron Giant. I love Iron Giant. <laughs> yeah, like, me too. An all-time I'm going to have to watch yeah, that movie someday. So yeah, good. you want to watch it? I've never seen it. Iron Giant? Is, I got the Blu-ray. I've never um, seen I'm Iron of, Giant. I'm of the opinion, kind of the hot take, that like that that uh, I don't want any of these animated films to to be converted to live action. I'm of the opinion that like they're just waiting until someone cracks it in the same way they did superhero movies. I think the same thing with video game movies. Like Someone will crack it. It might be Detective Pikachu. <laughs> Uh, which is coming out in a few days here, but someone look will for the crack, trial of episode like, about Detective Pikachu. You know, someone will crack video game movies, and someone will crack an- live action animated movies, and it's it's gonna be this a is thing. this is your dystopia. That is my. It is. It sounds horrible. Right? <laughs> it does. But you're. I'm. You're right. In game in the theaters right now. Uh, uh, um, Harry, to leapfrog on your point just a little. Um, I do think it's kind of interesting what they do with like. There are three kind of distinct tiers or even generations of people who, like, by the end of the movie, you see, like, you see uh, Shikishima, you see a grown-up, and it's like, they're not here to help. You see Tetsuo Kaneda, there's sort of, like, a middling ground there. Like, potential for good if it's, like, guided in some way. And then you see these um, espers, these almost childlike beings, and it's like, okay, they are, like, very clearly here to help it's not explored uh, a lot but i guess maybe jason going back to your whole like just the idea of character design and maybe not facially but just like the literal bodies uh Mm -hmm. of these characters tell you kind of what they're all about Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's that i don't know exactly how to unpack it but it just screams like thematic resonance to me that these that these beings are of very adult mind Probably, like, next to K, like, the only ones who have any idea what's going on in <laughs> yeah. this entire uh, universe. The general kind of and, does, but yeah. And, well, yeah, because with his own, you know, preclusions and, part and, of the, and goals. Yeah. Um, but that they are literally embodied by children's bodies, like, five, ten-year-old children's bodies. Yeah, like, like, sorry, we're doing a content warning again, but, like, disfigured children. Like, mm-hmm. they're handicapped children yeah like uh, what's his name Mas- masaru is actually in like a little hovering wheelchair for yeah, the entire Kyoko movie is in a containment chamber mm-hmm. um and it's implied that she's going to die when she leaves it they say that they can't leave that containment takashi can't um, speak right he's mute. right yeah i think uh to be honest like maybe i'm ignorant but like given what this movie is a metaphor for i think it's probably a metaphor for um nuclear disfigurement um Oh yeah, in those characters at least, yeah. Um, Which is like, it actually makes a really, um, in my opinion, affecting point about how like, those characters are the characters who are saving the day, basically. Um, And so the the point of this movie about addressing trauma, um, the sort of praxis for how you go about doing that is by listening to the traumatized and and listening to the, the oppressed and the people who were most affected by the the terrors that were wrought against them. I mean, like no nobody suffered more in this movie than those espers, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're children who are kidnapped off the street, like Tetsuo. Yeah, Kaori uh, suffers a little bit in this movie. Yes, she but, does. But yes, I, I um, do get your point. 
Well, I, I guess specifically at the, at the hands of the system. Right? Yeah, 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 you're right. Um, and uh, they're experimented on, and they're the sort of human sacrifice sustaining this entire society, right? Mm-hmm. Is that like, all right, we're, we're going to try to understand these psychic people so that we can keep it under control. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to kidnap children and experiment on them until we can understand and contain what's going on with them. Um, and the movie saying, no, that's all wrong. Instead, we have to confront this. And what we have to do to confront that is listen to the people that we have been harming and, exactly. and sacrificed. Um, this is like a, it's like a really poignant metaphor about the way that we move forward from World War II, right? Like, yep. In my opinion, that's what it feels like. It, it's talking about how in the wake of nuclear proliferation, society can't exist the way that it did. It needs to change. And the way that it needs to change is we need to address what it was. Yep. And if we don't do that now, then the future will never be what we envision it. The future can't be until we fix the present, right? Because whatever the future is going to be, it's going to be shaped like the present. It's going to be, it comes from that place. Right. This movie Um, was made while, well, this whole manga and the film were made while the survivors of World War II were still living. Some with disfigurement, some without. And just to think that this movie was birthed into a world where like creators like Katsuhiro Otomo um, were, I mean, likely did, if we're assuming that this movie has a lot of those themes and metaphors at play, likely did some research or like at least had cultural knowledge of the impact uh, on like human impact of World War II. It's just, it doesn't feel accidental that those are vibes we get from the movie. And and to, to take that notion and apply it specifically to notions of uh, traditional patriarchal toxic masculinity is really brilliant because it's not just saying that we have to confront the way society is. It's saying specifically we have to confront why men are the way they are in society and what values led us to these people having this, this need to dominate and to suppress vulnerability and suppress um, sort of emotional unpacking of their problems and instead try to dominate and destroy um, I, you know, because like the, the end of this movie ends with the, the notion that, um, that Tetsuo, Akira, Takashi, Masaru, and uh, Kyoko have become something new. They've become like this gestalt uh, esper being that a new universe, yeah, a new universe, yeah. right? And but the last word of this movie is I am Tetsuo. So whatever that thing is, it still is self. Mm-hmm. It still is human. I assumed he, you know, he was some sort of he was the god of this new creation. I right. guess, but, it, so like, but he's man, still, I can't imagine how that universe is going to go with that dude. Right, but he's still a man. That's the point, <laughs> sure. right? Is that like whatever the future is, it's still us. Like it's still going to be yeah. something that's defined by who mm-hmm. we are. And so we have an obligation to address those things. And, and postulation and forecasting about the future are not effective ways of yeah. dealing with that. They're just like ways that we can package to understand, but they're not effective at like actually approaching it. Actually there is like no brighter tomorrow until we make a brighter today, right? Yep. This could this could work as a climate change metaphor. <laughs> wow. We've gotten there. Uh, Only an hour and 37 minutes in. We've well, gotten we're going to delete some of the stuff at the top. 
No. Uh, what else like are we thinking minutes. about? Oh, I see. <laughs> Uh, that is, that's, that's I, kind of all that, I mean, that's every, that's me airing out what I had. Uh, yeah. what do we feel about Colonel Shikoshima? We don't have to talk about it too much. Uh, he was a weird character for me. Um, in that his m- literal military coup junta of the, uh, government is like weirdly not super negative. Yeah. He's like it's, a weird yeah. character who's like almost portrayed positively. He is almost almost protagonistic you know i mean he, like, he gets the immortal line we can't dance to the tune of corrupt politicians and capitalists which is like a <laughs> woo! Yeah. Uh, but like it's coming out of that fucking military dictator's yeah. mouth yeah it's uh, a conflicting character yeah. yeah i i uh you know i don't condone violence against anybody but hot takes not the worst thing but to A-Cab. watch A-Cab. I, you know, I was like oh, damn some of this seems pretty cool i don't know I... <laughs> <laughs> he just shot a cop point blank he might be all right in my but he's mark a fucking, he is yeah, the he is a cop dude yeah he is he is he, uh, yeah. he's the number one cop and clearly his motivations law. are yeah. not altruistic they're not in line with say like the terrorists um, but I mean, like they're, they're kind of all i mean if we're taking what he says at face value which i don't think we should right um but he he is like kind of trying to bring about a better society, even if the way in which he does it is shit. Yeah, very bad. He, he, I think he's, he, accidentally he's okay. doing the opposite of what the movie alleges is the right way to do it. Yeah, right? he, he is he, violencing he his wants, way through it. Well, um, and he wants to destroy the past, basically. Yeah. Like, he, wa- he wants to say, like, like I want to make sure Akira doesn't exist, so that we can continue to, continue to have what we had, which, surprise, is the one in which I'm in power. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, at best, Shikishima has the second best mustache in the movie. Who has um, a better mustache? Who has a better mustache? Oh, Ryu, Ryu obviously. No, he Ryu, has a better mustache Ryu's than Ryu's is no. little... I'm looking at a picture Ryu, of him right now. Ryu's is more compact, which... Uh, there's I a like. very white-looking Hitler in one of the, uh, in the, the executive branch who yep. has a little Hitler mustache. I, I think, oh, I remember I that. That's intentional, right? Oh, yeah. I didn't put a picture of him here, but, uh, Mr. Nezu, the senator, the corrupt senator who dies choking on pills yeah. with a briefcase full of money also has a little... Little Richie mustache. That's true. Was that and buck teeth? And buck teeth. Oh, yeah. like, a little, so like 10, a little mole. Out of ten, how would you rate the facial hair in this movie, fellas? We do this every facial podcast. Hair. Facial uh, hair. Well, ratings. it's mostly teenagers <laughs> on a scale of like what Aaron Grossman to. Uh, Ouch! Uh, Ouch! Yeah, I was the upper end of that. Uh, wow. Jeremiah Mountain Man, probably. Sure. Uh, sorry, that Jeremiah me. Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I I think that the facial hair in this movie. Is severely underserved. Yeah, we don't want this episode to end. <laughs> there's a lot of clean shaving. I can talk about Akira forever. It is. Yeah. Uh, it's like maybe low key one of my favorite movies. I can talk about facial hair forever. I, Same. I, I, so yeah. it's a good movie. I'm happy ending the episode there, but I really do want to get into our letterbox reviews. If anybody wants go to go into the yeah, theirs. I mean, I already yeah. basically said my. I made a cheap joke, so you you know that's fine. I made like pull a one line joke. Pull yours. Pull mine up. You got letterbox on there. What are you? I'm not going to read yours out loud. I just think it'd be interesting because we always do these episodes after we've reviewed the movies or sometimes you know sometimes i wait until after sometimes we've edited them but i just think like as a timestamp, it's nice i'll start with mine since i'm the only one who seems to have my shit together i've got yours pulled up why did you pull up mine i don't know i like yours wait are you reading your entire are we all gonna are we gonna gonna read read the popcorn what kind of shit is this i feel like everybody who listens to us is on our letterbox probably we just reviewed the shit. What do you mean? We're going to read the whole do thing. Do you not want to do this? I can clip this from the end. And what does everybody else think? 
Mine's one sentence, so I don't really. Yeah, mine is also one. Yeah, mine's one. Sentence. I honestly am thinking of that because Jason I just like wants yours. to do his own. No, because yeah. I like yours because they're short and quick and All quick. Right, By the way, I have one a Patreon. Sec. If you guys want to follow me on Patreon, I'm having trouble finding my review. This is difficult. Uh, yours is hot take. Maybe don't bully people. Wow. Okay, so we're all just gonna read each other's yeah, now. Just huh? Killed it. I just yeah. did it. The real yeah. Akira was the friends we met along the way. I'll read Aaron's. Sure. Aaron's is excited to see Joseph Gordon-Levitt play Kanada in the 2026 Clint Eastwood remake. I tried to make that as gross as possible. Clint Eastwood alive in 2026 is my personal hell. Yeah, no kidding. That guy's like, wow. I mean, yeah, his movies suck, but damn, you just wish death on that. He also sucks a lot. Yeah, Yeah. I know he sucks a lot. Super sucks. He's like the face of the NRA. Is he? He he spent his whole life not understanding the fucking movies he was in. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh God, he makes me so goddamn. He, you know, he, he actually—I think he understood quite a lot of the movies he was in. And he just uh, liked he was how not cool only he was in them. Uh, um, I just liked Barry's review on Letterboxd, oh, which oh. is whatever the future may be, we know it will be shaped like us. Yeah, very good. Uh, I'll read giant babies. Yes, giant yes, babies. Giant babies. Uh, yeah, wow, what a great metaphor. Like, yeah. you, you don't it is... say that about your own thing? No, I'm... I'm oh, the giant baby. Argue. Okay, giant yeah, baby. yeah. Like, the idea that, like, it's this this hyper-advanced, like, next stage of human evolution, totally incomprehensible to people now because of how powerful it is. It's also a baby. He's Cronenberg also a scared only boy. Wishes. A scared Didn't little boy. 2001 kind of do this is. beforehand? The next stage of human evolution, a child? Yeah. I'm saying Akira's uh, kind of ripping off uh, Mr. Kubrick over there. That's not true. Yes, it is. That's that is a ridiculous statement. What? It's true. That's mm. a, now that's a hot take over there. I think there. 2001 is a little overrated. Maybe we'll get into Never it if we ever do that. Sure. It's a very good movie. Uh, okay. It it has some yeah. pretty yeah. simplistic understandings of the course of human history as conflict and struggle that aren't like super well done and are kind of covered up by the visual majesty. We're at an hour 45. We can't do this. Uh, yeah. We can't do it. Um, okay, so Jason's letterboxed review is excuse me. Uh, you can't understand what it means for the world to fall apart until it's put back together again. Nothing's really post-war in Akira's post-World War III Japan because the world kept going without holistically understanding its impact. Society examined the pieces and postulated over the rubble, sure, but never opened a dialogue between the generations rent by war and the thing itself. So it was never really digested before the capitalist bureaucracy and the police state that upholds it dominated cultural consciousness. Neo-Tokyo shadow players want a stymie knowledge of Akira's existence and power, not only to harness it for themselves, but to prevent society from processing nuclear disaster and the hubris that preceded it. Like Tetsuo recombinating Akira from viscera before transcending existence, Neo Tokyo only moves forward once it looks at the far-reaching effects of war as more than the things that led to it. I know you have issues with the uh, last uh, passage. I'd be happy to read that one. (laughs) Akira seems to have issues with women, and it crams a lot of pathos into the last 10 minutes. But it's still more artful than 90% of anime features, and one of the very few I'd recommend to non-weeps. Yeah, it's a really good uh, review. I'll control that last (laughs) paragraph. I... This is a to- not a podcast topic, but we, we should talk about how just god-awful anime features can be and how there's way more of them than you'd ever imagine that are terrible. Oh, you like, mean like all movies? How like 90% of all movies are Oh, yeah, absolutely. But so like, it's kind of weird to you can, you come can't, after You can't anime say that, that, an, that anime is as accessible to every to like the people who might be listening to this or like most Western audiences oh, as like people? all movies, as white people. So like your basis is just all people are... White people? What's happening? What does that mean? Oh, you see what I'm doing? It, it, it reveals a lot about me. I will admit uh, that. Let's see. 
there's a lot of really good stuff in in um, Jason's letterbox review. I think we mm-hmm. talked about it, but I really like um, Neo Tokyo only moves forward once it looks at the far reaching effects of war as more than the things that led to it. Um, exactly. Like yeah, it's I, like you were saying about the future being us. Yeah, and about how we have a responsibility to address what we are and what made us. Um, because if we don't, then the future will be cyclical. Like Aaron said, it'll be more of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, Akira will explode again and again. E X P L O E D E. Nice. Um, Ex- explode. There's a part of me that uh, is like locked away in the deep back, like dark recesses in my brain. It's like they should have just made a movie about kind of the biker gangs. That would have been cool. Uh, and I'm kind of like, yeah, I could just use a biker gang movie. You know what I mean? Easy the Warriors? Warriors? Uh, the the Warriors is great. The yeah. Warriors aren't bikers, but like uh, a Warriors-style anime film. Are you talking about Wild Hogs, the 2012? Are you talking about Sons of Anarchy? Uh, Jason, yours was better. <laughs> they're, I mean, they're, they're, both, the they're both bad. Are you talking about <laughs> Wario from Super Smash Bros.? <laughs> I'm not saying it would have been a better movie, but I, I think like... Are you talking about you know, Bicycle Thieves? All right. Are you talking about Premium Rush? Joseph oh, Gordon-Levitt? Well, All right. I've done, I, yeah. I, I've really loved dunking on Aaron in the last You'd, 45 you, seconds. How cool podcast. would it be to get the, the, you know, full film about the I, I'll bet you be anything cool. that the manga dips more into like their exploits than the film did. Yeah. Which maybe maybe we should check it out. Do you have any uh, cool biker gang? Are you talking uh, about Bicycle anime? Race? I, by know. Know. I think I would kind of hate that, actually. <laughs> Just a, an hour movie about people like who, cyberpunk are, biker gangs? who are defined by how much they about Mad Max Fury Road? No, 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 no. I, That's the, the, it doesn't the have point to be of who they I'm are. I'm just saying that there's this cool cyberpunk uh, kind of thing, that this theme in cyberpunk of this, like, group of rebels, like, fighting against the system. And I like that. Yeah. And I it's mean, done in a lot of... I they're feel not like a fighting lot of, against the system, though. Yeah, in, in Akira, they're just children who are expressing their... Pain isn't and isn't lashing the, uh, out? Isn't that uh, against the system? Or? Yeah, I mean, I'm into it, yeah, but like, no, you know, it's bullshit. All I'm saying is, I like that, and I feel like a lot of sci-fi movies use that as kind of set we dressing need, and don't really explore so as much as I'd want. Akira the Squeakle, <laughs> the Can straight to DVD Akira to uh, the prequel. Yeah, the Squeakle is good. I don't need you saving me anymore, Alvin. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Try Love. Yep. I'm Jason. I'm Cody. I'm Harry. And I'm Aaron. Join us next time for The Hidden or something? We're recording The Hidden right after this, but who knows if we'll, uh, we'll be right after this. Bye! Bye!